is away this morning. Um, she is in Florida, uh, and this afternoon will officiate the wedding of our youth director, Jeff Davidson, and um, Elizabeth Henry. So Dawn will be back tomorrow, we think. She may stay a few days in Florida, we'll see. Um, but in her absence today, we have our guest preacher with us. I want to welcome Chris Brooking Richardson. Chris is uh, an ordained elder in the United Methodist Church here in the Mississippi Conference. Um, she is currently the chaplain at Hospice Ministries, I believe, in the Macomb area. So we welcome you to Parkway Hills today. We ask that you keep your mask on. I'll put mine back on in a few moments. To Throughout our singing and throughout our responsive readings, we ask that you continue to wear your mask once we get to that portion of the service where our singing and responsive reading is complete. As long as you're spaced out or with my family or whatever, you may remove your mask if you feel comfortable at that time. A couple of announcements. Um, October 31st, trick-or-treat trail out on the church grounds here. This is not just for children. This is a church-wide event. There will be some trick-or-treating uh, for the kids, but we're also having, and I'm not sure who came up with this idea, a chili cook-off for staff. So... Um, that would be all of us that are up there trying to cook. We're going to do that. We'll have crock pots and y'all can taste and vote and see which one of mine is best. <laughs> so we'll go from there. Um, but that is October the 31st from four to six. That's for everyone. Tonight, youth will meet as usual at 5.30 in youth room for supper first and then we're going to do some different things uh, with Lisa. We've got some music to teach the kids tonight so we're going to hopefully get ready for the youth to sing in a couple of weeks for us. Uh, I invite you back on Wednesday nights for our brown bag supper right now. We're not providing dinner. We are providing drinks and some desserts so if you want to join us on the church grounds for supper at 545 on Wednesday nights. And there are a few other things listed in the bulletin if you'll take time to read those. Does anyone have any announcements this morning of any kind? If not, let us now prepare our hearts and minds to worship God this day.
Would you please bow together for our opening prayer? God, open our eyes to see the world through your compassion. Open our minds to understand the world through your wisdom. Open our hearts to receive the world through your love. Amen. If you'll please take the insert found in your bulletin and stand together as we sing all three verses of the hymn, Welcome. This is one that we sang last week. It was not really familiar. We've sung it a couple of times, but we're going to re-familiarize again. So, re-again. Welcome. All three verses.
why don't you just stand right back up? <laughs> and join with me in repeating our affirmation of faith. We believe in the Most High God who strengthens us and repays us many more times than we expect. We believe in God who gives generously and who expects the same from all creatures God has made. We believe in God whose utmost loving sacrifice is experienced through Jesus Christ, who paid it all. We believe that Jesus Christ conscientiously and lovingly emptied himself so that we may learn to make sacrifice and live joyfully before God. By Christ's impartial love, we learn to love those on the margins. We believe in the Holy Spirit who enables us to represent Jesus to the world. We believe that by the power of the Holy Spirit, a new community will be created without labels. We believe all has been accomplished for deliverance and salvation and is now being lived in flesh, even as God is glorified in heaven. Now you may be seated. prayers I have troubles I wish wasn't there and I've asked a thousand ways that you would take my pain away you would take my pain away I'm trying to understand how to walk this weary land Make straight the past that crooked lie Oh Lord, before these feet of mine Oh Lord, before these feet of mine When my world is shaking Heaven stands when my heart is breaking, I never leave your hands. When you walked upon the earth, you hear the broken, lost, and hurt. I know you hate to see me cry. One day you will set all things right. Yeah, one day you will set all things right. When my world is shaking, heaven stands. When my heart 
breaking, I'll never leave your hands, your hands, your hands that shape the world are holding me, they hold me still, your hands that shape the world are holding me. They hold me still When my world is shaking Heaven stands When my heart is breaking I'll never leave you When my world is shaking Heaven stands when my heart is breaking. I'll never leave, I'll never leave your Mr. Drew, I don't do this very often. This is the first time I've done children's time in a long time. So today, our lesson that we're going to learn is about the prodigal son. Have y'all all, y'all know the story of the prodigal son? In the prodigal son, there's a boy, and he's part of his family, and he decides he doesn't want to be part of his family anymore. He would like to take his part of what his family owns and go off and live somewhere else and play all the time, like take part of his parents' bank account and take part of a car and take clothes and just go out. And so he does and his father lets him. And eventually he runs out of money and he realizes he's all by himself and he wants to go back home. But he's really worried because he told his family he wanted to live somewhere else and he doesn't think they're going to like him anymore. And so he lives in a pig pen with pigs that he works and feeds and takes care of. And so he stinks and he's covered in mud and he's not very happy. I've heard that story. You've heard that story? It's a very famous story because it happens to a lot of us. It's a good story. And in the end, he goes back to his dad and says, I'm very sorry. I was wrong. I did the bad thing. Is his dad mad at him? No, his dad is super duper happy. Why is his dad super happy? Because he wanted to come back, because he did come back home, because he came back home to his family. And so what does he do? Well, he walks back home, he gets home, his dad gives him a huge hug, and his dad says, let's have a party. And they go and they get a cow and they turn it into barbecue. 
and everyone sits around and eats, and everybody comes back, and they have a huge party. You have a burger at your house? A butter? Do you now? I like butter on. I like butter with my food. Well, they have a, a butter cup. <laughs> That's a flower. Okay, so they have this huge party. Everybody comes back. So, what I take from this story? First of all, we can mess up and we can come back home and people will still forgive us. And that's what home really means. We can. And maybe somebody had to leave their donkey at the, at the house after the party was over and come back and get it later on. Who knows? But they have this big, huge party. What do we do on Wednesday nights? We, wait one second. We come to church and we sit at tables and we eat together. What do we do sometimes on Saturday after, or on Sunday afternoons? Every once in a while. We, well, every once in a while we have big parties at church and we'll all come like around Thanksgiving and we'll have them in the summer sometimes. We'll have a big shrimp boil and we all get together. And eat. You ever thought about why we do that? Because in the Methodist church, we think of our church as home, and when we're at home, we eat together, because that's what we do in this house, right? What happens when your grandparents come to your house? You eat, right? Do you eat regular food? No, you make cake, or you make cookies, and you get barbecue, or you go out to eat somewhere nice, you get to do special things with food. And the prodigal son, they get to have a big party at the end and eat. So every time at church, we have one of these parties where we get together and eat together, that is us saying, hey, we're all family together, and this is our home, and we're just doing what we do when we get together at home and eating, okay? So for the rest of your life, whenever we have a dinner at church, think about this being our home and our family just eating together, okay? All right, let's have a little prayer. Dear God, thank you for letting us be together today. Thank you for giving us stories that we can learn from. Thank you for giving us food and letting us eat it together. And thank you for giving us a home. Amen. Very good. All right, up you go. I'm not sure who's in charge today. Ah, there you are. grateful to be here with you today worshiping in your church home for you have extended already so much gracious hospitality to my family and I and we already feel welcome in this space together as we gather to worship God hear these comforting and yet challenging words of scripture as Jesus shares with us this parable it's found in Luke 15 11 through 32 and I'll be reading today from the message translation by Eugene Peterson. Then Jesus said, There was once a man who had two sons. The younger said to his father, I want, Father, I want right now what's coming to me. 
So the father divided the property between them. It wasn't long before the younger son packed his bag and left for a distant country. There, undisciplined and dissipated, he wasted everything he had. After he had gone through all of his money, there was a bad famine all through the country, and he began to hurt. He signed on with the citizens there, who assigned him to the fields to slop the pigs. He was so hungry, he would have eaten the corn cob and the pig slop, but no one would give him any. Then he brought him to his senses. He said, all those farm hands working for my father sit down to three meals a day, and here I am, starving to death. I'm going to go back to my father. I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against God, and I have sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son. Take me on as your hired hand. He got right up and went home to his father. When he was still a long way off, his father saw him. His heart pounding, he ran out and embraced him and kissed him. The son started his speech. Father, I have sinned against God. I have sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son ever again. But the father wasn't listening. He was calling to the servants, quick, bring a clean set of clothes to dress him. Put the family ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then get a grain-fed heifer and roast it. We're going to feast. We're going to have a wonderful time. My son is here, given up for dead and is now alive, given up for lost and now found. And they began to have a wonderful time. All of this time, the older son was out in the field. When the day's work was done, he came in, and as he approached the house, he heard the music and the dancing. Calling over to one of the houseboys, he said, What is going on? He told him, Your brother came home. Your father has ordered a feast, barbecued beef, because he has come home safe and sound. The other brother stalked off angrily to sulk and refused to join in. His father came out and tried to talk to him, but he would not listen. The son said, look, how many years I've stayed here serving you, never giving you one moment of grief. But you have thrown a party. Have you ever thrown a party for me and my friends? Then the son of yours who's been thrown away all of your money, on whom the whores show up, and you'll go all out with a feast? His father said, Son, you don't understand. You were with me all the time, and everything that is mine is yours. But this wonderful time, and we had to celebrate. This brother of yours was dead, and he's alive. He was lost, and he is found. This is the word of God for us, God's people. It's a story about family, it's real. There's rebellion and squandering, abandonment, and explosive tension between the two brothers. One who has left and wandered down a road that led him to the pig slop. I doubt he ever set out realizing where that road would lead him. 
one bad choice after another, and soon he realizes how little that road has to offer. He begins some serious reflection on who he is and whose he is. And this journey leads him down another road, back home. A journey that his heart had been longing for. He has plenty of time to practice the words that he's going to say to his father when he gets there. I would imagine he's rehearsed them in his mind, his whole journey home. He wants to get them right with his father. Father, I've sinned against God and before you. I don't deserve to even be called your son. He's ready to acknowledge all that he's done wrong as he enters back into the home. And the story of another brother who stayed back with his father. He is the practical one, the one who gets all the right stuff done and is dependable. He does those mundane tasks around the home, day in and day out. He keeps doing the jobs to get the house and the farm in order. He works hard for his father, spends long hours in the fields. And as his younger brother re-enters the picture, we see this resentment that clearly has been building up over all of their years come out. We see his anger in his eyes that a party is being thrown. And we understand his perspective, too. We can just hear our kids saying, but it isn't fair. We may utter those words ourselves. All, I've done all the right things, he's murmuring to himself. And yet it's my brother who's being lifted up and celebrated this day. The one whose party is being thrown for. What has happened? This family isn't picture perfect, is it? But what family is? Now, I know we may can all capture that one moment on film or digitally now that we'll put on Facebook or we'll send out onto our Christmas cards. But we all know that's just one moment in time where we get it right being picture perfect. For behind every perfectly captured picture is all the stuff that goes into getting there. The fighting in the car as you're trying to get to church on time. Even as we do our best, the ins and outs of our own families. We know that there's times we've gotten it right and times we've gotten it so wrong where we don't want to apologize. It's easier to sweep things under the rug than facing the truth of the situation. The answer is sometimes too distant to even want to look for. Today's scripture reminds us that this is God's family, and it's much like our own family. It's complex and messy. It's complicated and hard. It's a lot like our own families, and it's a lot like our church family times where we've gotten it right and times where we will get it wrong. But we keep on being the church, being the family of God, because we believe that somehow in the midst of all of it, God is at work doing a good thing among us, even when we cannot fully see it.
Families just like our homes are complicated, and churches are just like our families. Church becomes a family for us, a second home to many of us. And it's just as complicated and complex and wonderful as our own families. I grew up in the church. I was nurtured and loved as a young child all through my youth within a loving church home, one that I longed to go back to during those days of college, the altar rail where they just were so familiar to my knees, the place where I explored my call to ministry and the place that entrusted me to work with their children and youth during my summers all throughout college, a place where I could safely learn from my mistakes. They guided and they shaped me it was a place where I grew in my discipleship and my love for God. A place I could gather and worship each Sunday morning, often sitting next to my grandmother every week. Then as I entered Divinity School, the family of God expanded in new and exciting ways. The church was still my home, but it was so different. It was where I was allowed to grow into the pastor that God was calling me to be. My first internship was in a small town in North Carolina called Lemon Springs. It was nothing like the church I had grown up in. It was small and more traditional in a small, small town without a traffic light, maybe a four-way stop, very small. It did not have many youth or young people in the congregation, but it was there that the people accepted me and welcomed me and loved me. They invited me to sit with them around their tables and their homes. And they taught me about the tobacco crops that they grew. And they allowed me to pastor them, even at such a young age. They loved me and pushed me and challenged me to see the church, God's family, in a new way. They were good to me and taught me so many valuable lessons of ministry. They even wrote on my final evaluation that I was a true man of God. I kid you not. I'll never forget those words. I was young. I was a woman. And that is how they saw me. Families of God can be challenging, even as our own families are. Now that I'm working as a chaplain in hospice ministries, I often have the sacred privilege of getting to travel and to go into other churches around where our home is in Macomb. And I've gotten to preach in some of the smallest churches you might imagine. One in Fernwood that's the old um, Methodist one-room church where five older women gathered on one Sunday morning. And my family has been welcomed into churches so warmly that my children will beg to go back the next week because they enjoyed it so much. One church I was serving, I got to go in and do a revival for them. They found out that my daughter was gluten-free, and the last night of the potluck, someone had made gluten-free brownies so she could share in the meal. The church being a home, it's hard to describe how churches you enter one or two times can become that home for you. I'll never forget preaching once when my youngest was still a baby. It was a much larger church than we were accustomed to. And as I took her to the nursery to drop her off, they handed me a pager. 
I said, oh, no, no. I cannot take a preacher into the pulpit. She is a church baby. She will be fine, and I will be back to get her when the service ends. And she was just fine. She was at home within the church. I knew she would be just fine. I know this church to be one of deep love and care for all gathered within these walls here. Many years ago, my friend Karen Coons Hayden and I came here to worship with you. We had six children among us, all very young. I commented to the person who sat next to us that she was very brave to come and sit among so many children. She relieved all of our fears, talking to me about how much she loved children in worship and how she would welcome us back anytime we could come. She was not afraid at all of our children, but thankful for the gift that they were. How has this church been like a family to you? Maybe a time you knew for sure that God was caring for your soul within this special community of faith. How have you been a church home for a visitor in your midst? It's good to stop and to remember those times and places and to celebrate those times that this church has been a home to you. Yet we have to acknowledge that churches just like our own families are complex and complicated. And you can probably remember a time where you've been misunderstood or frustrated within a church meeting. Times you possibly wondered if God could possibly be calling you to continue going to the church. You wanted to walk away and to give up. The leadership position was just too demanding and hard. We don't like to talk about the times that the body of Christ has gotten it wrong. We rather focus on those heaven on earth moments where we've gotten it right. Yet we know the church does get it wrong. Churches don't always accept or even care for us in all the ways that we know God does. Churches are filled with imperfect people and they can get it wrong even within these beautiful walls of the sanctuary. Sometimes the church may not have felt like a home to us. A time where we've questioned God's very presence in this place. As we used to say in our communion prayer of confession when we have communion, we have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. And we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray, dear Lord. Yes, forgive us, the church, when we've hurt and discouraged and weakened our discipleship in the world. And allow us to recognize those places and seek forgiveness as your people. Every time I came home from college, I distinctly remember a loving mother watching for me. She would come straight out the front door and fly to my car to welcome me home. It was a tradition that I came to absolutely adore, how loved I felt that she would be at the window watching for me to arrive. It was evidence of her great love for me. It was a four-hour drive from Shreveport back to Brandon. I would call her as I left my dorm room. That was way before cell phones were in cars that you actually used. We might have had one for an emergency. She knew it took four hours. She knew I always stopped to get a drink midway. 
She would anticipate it all and be in that window watching for me to arrive. I'm drawn to this image in our scripture of the waitful, watching father, the one who's watching even when we are a long way off. It was the father that saw the son in the distance making his way home. We are told that the father's heart was pounding. He ran out, embraced, and kissed him. The father was like my mother. This father is like our God. God does not give up on us. We will indeed go down long and dangerous roads. We will get off track. We will make terrible choices. We will find ourselves in places we never imagined we would be. And God will be there in our soul searching. It is God who is beckoning us back home to be in fellowship with Him. It is God who delights in our homecoming more than anyone else. Back in my first appointment and lesson, I was working in my office one hot summer day, the small window unit hardly keeping up with the heat index. The church doorbell rang, and I went to get it, and this sketchy-looking man in his mid to late 40s was standing there. He wasn't well-grained. He looked rough, and he wanted to talk to the pastor. I told him that was fine, but I would, would it be okay if I invited my lay leader to be a part of the conversation with us? He agreed that was fine, and he stayed outside. I went back into the church office and called my lay leader, Jim. I had already told him if I ever needed somebody in the church building, he would be the person I would call. And boy, did I need him that day. But of course, he wasn't home. I left a message. I grabbed two folding chairs and went to the front of the church's doors. I explained to the person that we could just sit outside in the shade and visit. He was fine with that. He shared with me how depressed he was. He didn't have a job. His life had been hard. He had talked to his sister that morning, and she was United Methodist. And she suggested that he go to the local United Methodist Church and try to talk to the pastor. I listened to him. We sat there, and he visited for a while. I told him he was welcome to join us in worship on Sunday morning. I told him the time of Sunday school, and he left. I did share all of this later with my lay leader and in the small town of Weston, he was able to reach out to him and talk to him. Well, Patrick did show up that Sunday morning. He attended our small Sunday school class of five people. He didn't really say that much, but he did spell his name just like he had when we initially met. He sat in the back of the church and was quick to leave after the service was over, but he had left his phone number in the pee pad so as was my custom, I called him later in the week just to touch base with him, as I did most who visited among us. I told him that we were glad to have him. I asked him about how it was coming to church. He very bluntly said he hated it. I was new to pastoring, but I certainly couldn't have anticipated that response. I said that I was sorry. I invited him to come back and try it again next week. I told him the more you got to know people, the easier it would be to come to church. I was rather surprised, but he did come back the next week 
and he kept coming back. We got to know him over time. He was awkward. He had a heart for Jesus. He had a disability that had gotten him discharged from the military years prior, and he had no family in the area. See, when God saw Patrick making that trip to the church on that hot summer day, God was delighted. God was rejoicing in a life that had turned back to Jesus. I certainly didn't get it right. I was scared. Yet God drew him into the fellowship of the church. Patrick's discipleship became one that I admired. He sought God out. He prayed with all of his might. And he did not stop coming to the church, even when it had felt so uncomfortable and strange the first time. He had the courage to keep coming back and to give a church in a small town a chance to welcome him into the fellowship of believers. Patrick found his home among us, and it was his faithfulness that changed us. And when we turn homeward, it is God who delights. And when we turn towards God and one another, it is there that we find home. Would you pray with me? Gracious Lord, we thank you so much for this parable that allows us to look at what home and where our home is found. Thank you, Lord, that you keep a watchful eye out, that you beckon us back to you, and that your warm embrace is waiting. Lord, allow us to be that kind of church, a church that can be a home for other believers. It's in your son's name we pray. Chris, thank you so much for that reminder of how we should be as a church. I think we all need that. And now, as we respond to God's word, let us go to God in prayer. Gracious God, we come to you this morning not just seeking answers, but seeking strength and courage for the days ahead. We pray for courage to be the people who you've called us to be. People who seek justice and peace through your love to, for all of your people. We struggle with questions that seem to have no answers and problems that have insurmountable solutions. As we observe the conflict and unrest all around us, we are led to pray for the world and its leaders that all may live in peace and justice may be tempered with mercy. We pray you will continue to draw your children into a loving embrace. Restore us to our inheritance as your daughters and sons and bring our hearts together that we may become ambassadors of your saving grace. Loving God, some of us are carrying very heavy burdens today. 
Some are struggling with painful family problems. Some are faced with financial concerns and some with spiritual needs. Surely we must test your patience, but we know that your love is all, in, in, uh, all around us, never ending, always forgiving. We know and struggle with our imperfections and our shortcomings, but all the while knowing that in the end it's you who loves us the most and is always there waiting for us. You're our hope for the world, and it's in this hope that we live and move and have our being. We pray for comfort for the sorrowing. We pray for healing for those with sickness and problems. We pray for our country as we become more aware of decisions that seem to be made without regard for those that are weak and have no voice. We humbly pray for the lost who've not yet learned of your saving grace, for those who've never known the love of God that they may come to know this beautiful joy of love's embrace. We pray for our church and our staff and for the church throughout the world that your children may embody the reconciling love of Christ. We pray for Jeff and Elizabeth as they begin this new chapter in their lives today. In this moment, we pray for all those we hold in our hearts and minds this day and we lovingly lift their name to, name to you now, either silently or aloud. Mary Robinson. Loving God, hear the prayers of your people for the sake of our world and through our Savior, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Kingdom, power, and glory forever. Amen. As we close our service, I ask you to take your hymnals and turn to hymn number 378 and stand together as we sing all six verses of Amazing Grace. Hymn number 378. Please stand.